Well, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio, your host, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story. We are back! <laughs> Joining you on this now 3rd of February, 2024. So thrilled to have my brother with us and you can tell by the glowing smile on his face which is very static and very rock solid because it's just a picture sorry guys uh, <laughs> she's thrilled to be with us as well i can assure you of that um we are i will tell you starting the the, the beginning of this I wasn't as happy as I am right now. <laughs> there was a lot of not happiness with uh, the the video recording program that we were dealing with. I couldn't figure out a step that I was uh, trying to make work to make the audio for Rich to come in. My audio was coming in, but his wasn't. And so after playing with it multiple times over, I finally got it to work. And uh, the Lord is gracious to a, a foolish man sometimes. And so <laughs> Rich was very patient while I was yelling and screaming at the computer. and But now we have, we're trying our first attempt at doing a dual YouTube video plus podcast recording, but with only one of us animated. <laughs> um, this is something that, <clears throat> excuse me, down the road, we would hope with the resources and tools, I think I talked about this on a previous episode, that you actually get a video of both of us. But um, that comes with uh, just other things that we would have to purchase, uh, things like paying for a subscription for things like Zoom and stuff like that. And we're just testing this platform out and trying to see if it works, see if it's useful to you. It does seem that some of you that watch via YouTube have uh, found this helpful and and have in, uh, enjoyed and uh, been watching and participating by via commenting on the program. So as much as that seems to be helpful to people, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the more we're going to try and make use of it, not because we're trying to become famous YouTubers or increase numbers or anything like that, but because as I've said on this program before, I know there are some mediums that people gravitate to toward more. Some people like to listen to stuff and they're not worried about video. Some people, and, and I've actually had comments, Rich, where people are like, I'll throw it on YouTube and I can look up and see you talking and stuff like that. And I just keep working. So it seems to be that visual medium does seem to make a bit of a difference. So um, we're going to keep trying to work with this and, and keep trying to use it. And if it's helpful to you guys, please let us know. And uh, that'll be our hope is that it's it reaches more because we're just in a different uh you know, we're in a different venue as well. So thank you for being a part of the program. Thank you for continuing to support us uh, through your prayers and participation as far as watching and sharing and, uh, and putting that out, out there. And by the way, don't panic. We're not going to get rid of the, uh, the audio. Uh, we're going to do both. Um, but you know, we just want you to know that we're trying to reach as many people as we can, because our whole goal is number one, as we've always said, to glorify God and number two, to edify the saints and if we can do that by reaching them through video, then we're going to give that a shot as well. Um, want to remind you, we are part of the Christian podcast community, always a great gathering of uh, Christian podcasts, people of like-minded and uh, similar, similar theological backgrounds. So you're always going to find something good. Please check that out. And also check out our um, our website, slavetothekeng.com. Uh, we are putting, more, like the video content is now going on there. We are also, as I'm trying to write more, If even if I put something that's fairly lengthy on 
say Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, uh, Twix, I think some people call it, um, then I'm trying, if it's something I feel that will be beneficial on there, I'm trying to put it there as well. So uh, the more content we get, the more interaction we receive from you, the more we'll put up there. And uh, we want you to follow that because that, as we've said, that's our kind of one-stop shop. That's where you're going to, uh, that's where you're going to find all things new related to Voice of Reason Radio, which, and I'll put this out there as well. We'd kind of like some input from you guys on this. And I mean, I actually want to hear responses. Um, we have, we had previously had an association with the guys over at, at doctrinealife.co, which I continue to recommend you go do, uh, uh, get stuff from them. Uh, they are primarily partnered with Alpha and Omega Ministries, Dr. James White. Um, but their their media, their business model did not really work for small programs like ours. And so we weren't able to maintain that partnership with them, which we, we understand and we're grateful for. But it is nice to be able to have something that Either we can uh, to sell to help contribute to some ex- you know those those minor expenses that come with this program, uh, or you know to do things future down the road. Like if there was a, a you know a certain set of books or that we want to be able to purchase and do a giveaway or something like that. So what we're thinking of doing is um, using somebody like Teespring to do that. My my real hesitancy with using a company like Teespring is PayPal. PayPal is seems to be the number one way these companies pay out to the, the the folks that use them. So if we partner, if we create a store website with Teespring, for example, you guys buy a mug or a T-shirt or something like that, then what happens is the way that you know most of that goes to them because they're putting out the material, but we get a small amount of that in payment. They pay out through PayPal. I really have hesitancy with PayPal because they were the ones some of you might remember who said, Hey, if you don't, if you say things that we don't like, we can, we can basically ding you for like $2,500 a shot and we'll just take it right out of your bank account. And I don't want there to ever be people who put money into this program, even in a small amount who have that money taken away because PayPal doesn't like what we said. So, uh, but it does seem to be the primary way by which we would do that. So it would probably be with just about any company we went with where that's how that would work. Um, so we're, we're weighing that decision out and we'd like to hear from you guys. Are you interested in like being able to get a coffee mug with the, the, the logo, as you can see on the video, uh, video screen, if you're watching YouTube, would you like, the you know uh, a a shirt or a mug or something like that the ability to get that are you willing to do that if it meant we had to use a company like uh, Teespring who uses PayPal so that's that's important to us we want to be um, respectful of you you know we know that money is tight for a lot of people especially in this day and age so we don't expect there to be this mad rush for you know, merch or whatever they call it these days. I don't know what, what the new terms are, but if you are interested in that, we want to hear from you. So with all of that said, I am so thankful, so grateful to have my brother Rich back. So I got to say it, Rich, how you doing, brother? I was always brother better than I deserve because I deserve hell, but in God's mercy, he granted me salvation. But aside from that, I have to tell you, um, you're familiar with the movie franchise, The Fast and the Furious? Familiar with it? I haven't watched a single one of them. Well, 
Tonight, you're going to witness the slow and the grumpy. Because <laughs> i tell you what, I'm on the verge of suing State Farm for false advertising. Ooh. Do we dare ask what they did this time? Well, on, on, because of one of the commercials, i tell you what, I've been going through this house for about the last three days singing like a good neighbor, <laughs> and I'm yet to see that dude Jake pop into my living room. If anybody gets Jake to show up in their living room, tell them that Rich is still expecting his his appearance. So <laughs> well, I'm going to sue him for false advertising because I've been singing their little lyric song, and Jake still has not popped up out of nowhere in my living room to discuss my flooded kitchen. But anyway, that's a different topic altogether. But I'm glad to be back, brother. Um, I just realized this is the first time this year you and I have yeah. recorded together. Last one, last time was somewhere in mid-December. Yeah. And for those, and I'm not going to go into a lot of details, we've had a lot of issues with health in our family, me, my wife, and my 27-year-old daughter, which she has her own family, and that's added other issues in there as well. But for those that know and those that have been praying for me and my family and for my brother Chris, I would like to say thank you and we just have to keep taking things a day at a time and a week at a time. And I've missed being on here with you, brother. And I enjoy it when we can get together and discuss different issues and topics. And just so our listeners know, uh, for the next few months, I may be sporadic in and out. And there'll be times where Chris is doing a solo or perhaps have a guest host. But I tell you what, brother, after the last two solos you, you've done, <laughs> I think at this point, we'd be better off just going with you by yourself and no. behind the scenes. No, 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 no. Don't do that to me. Don't you leave me to do this all by myself. <laughs> we want to keep listeners. We don't want to chase them off if they have to just deal with me all the time. <laughs> well, you were talking about the problems we had getting this show tonight started and recording. It just goes to prove what I've been telling you for years. I have a faith for radio because the... The operating system, the software you use for the YouTube channel, that's just that tonight you were going to use my picture. See, it didn't even want to just use my picture, and I'd hate to know what kind of problems would we we would have if we actually had a video of me because, you know, I, I love doing videos so much. You, know, you can find a video of me somewhere. You have to do some hard digging. Well, I can only think of two or three things that may be floating around out there in the internet land that m might would be video. Well, I'll tell you that there's, there's one particular video that people need to watch and that's you getting up on your feet and preaching the gospel open air. That was beautiful, brother. Oh, that's been, that was back in 2013. If Something I like that. Yeah. Correctly. Quite a while ago. And that was the, beautiful. That was at the Super Bowl in new yeah. Orleans. That was the first time I ever open air preached and I had two brothers holding me up. Yep. And that was just a wonderful thing. And if y'all haven't seen that, you need to go find it. And maybe I can, uh, you know, cajole my brother here before the end of the show to get me the link to that. And we'll put it in the show notes. If you haven't watched it, it's, it's beautiful to watch, uh, my brother who is confined to a wheelchair. Most of his days, get up on his feet with the help of two godly brothers and, uh, preach the gospel to people, uh, coming and going from the Super Bowl. Um, y'all, y'all need to watch that. So brother, it, but it, I, I will echo the sentiments you had. It is wonderful to have you back. Um, 
I got no pro- look. I, I got no problem opening my mouth and letting words pour forth. And you know, obviously, I like to hear the sound on my own voice, right? Um, but uh, there's there's um, something that's just very odd about doing this solo. And uh, yeah, it can be done. And yeah, some people do it very very well. Um, but we started this coming up on now eight years ago together and this april eight eight years years, which is unheard of uh in most modern podcast terms um the you know there are some people who have done it far longer dr james white 40 years or whatever uh but but he's in a different he's a whole different orbit uh for for our little small orbit eight years is a it's it's almost it's almost unheard of say we're not we're not the biggest, but we're one of the longest running. Yep. Small podcast. Uh, kind of like uh, you know the best kept secret of podcasting. You know we're still, but uh, you know it's I I would not want to do this solo. Um, and just even even if you in the background, I, I it it wouldn't be right. It, it wouldn't feel right, and it certainly uh, it would not be Voice of Reason Radio. So, uh, nice sentiments. Not going to happen. So. all right so with that said before we dive into this tonight uh, any other things you want to say well um beforehand do not hold chris accountable for anything that comes out of my mouth if after this episode you have hate mail you're more than welcome to send it to our voice of reason radio contact page or email us just market attention rich and let me have it just leave chris out of it don't hold him accountable because if I go to where I think I may end up going tonight in this discussion, it's going to be a whole lot of you that's not going to like what comes out of my mouth. Well, it's not I like we haven't stepped. It's not like we haven't stepped on a few toes along the way in <laughs> eight years. So I'm not worried about it. All right. So what are we talking about tonight? Don't worry, we're not talking about Alistair Beck. Everybody else is. Uh, we're not. I, I actually meant it when I said on Twitter the other day. I said all I was going to say about Alistair, um, and we're not going to say anything more about him. However, and again, this is not about Alistair, but the discussion about that comes out of what happened with Alistair Begg is kind of relevant because a lot of questions have been asked about attending, you know, family gatherings, weddings, at certain kinds of events, and. I I think it would be instructive to kind of talk about that because all of this was framed around the idea of, do I attend a wedding in which a family member is either a homosexual or transgender and marrying a person that is homosexual or transgender? Can I, as a Christian, should I go to this type of thing? That was the question. And, as was mentioned on the previous program, uh, and by the way, sorry about last week. Uh, things just happened. I wasn't able to record. Uh, that's why we're trying to get this one out now. But uh, the you know the resounding response to Alistair Begg was, no, you don't tell a Christian to go to a, a, a joining together of two people in rebellion against God. All right, let me stop you on asking yes. a question real yes, sir. quick. Was the majority opinion of people that responded that said, no, a Christian should not attend yes, a that. gay wedding, was the majority of their opinions no and with no exceptions whatsoever? 
I think by and large, that was probably what I saw. I don't think there was anybody who felt that there was an acceptable reason to attend a homosexual or transgender wedding. I, um, at least in terms of those who were responding to Alistair Begg, um, there were people pushing back against that. And that's going to be kind of the crux of our discussion tonight. But those responding did not see, and, and, and it's one I would agree with. I don't see where there's an exception to something of that, of that nature. And, and I'll get into that in just a minute as why. Yeah, I have an exception too. Okay. So <laughs> that's what's going to get me in trouble. That's okay. You know, and this is the thing. Let, let me preface what we're going to say tonight with this. I, it was a discussion I had with my wife. In a lot of ways, we are kind of dealing with unprecedented times for Christians in the modern era. Every Christian generation has had challenges it's had to meet. It's had, uh, as Andrew Rappaport on Apologetics Live refer, uh, referred to at one point, watershed moments. And this is kind of our watershed moment. It's, you know, going back to a Bergefell decision in the Supreme Court, prior to that, you had some states that were legalizing and some that, you know, had, you know, uh, laws, you know, defining marriages between one man and one woman. And so it wasn't quite the watershed that it is now because with a Obergefell, every state was now forced to allow homosexual unions. And uh, I, I like what uh, Dr. James White calls it. He calls it a gay mirage. In other words, it's not a marriage. It's a mirage of a marriage. It's a fake. It's phony. It's not real. It's not what God defines as marriage. But every state was now forced to uh, allow these unions to be legally recognized as a quote-unquote marriage. So now what you have are, as that next generation is coming up with an entirely new ethos, an entirely new set of social mores about sexuality and marriage and unions, they've grown up in a culture where this is now the norm. This, and now, you know, thanks to, you know, our current regime, and I, again, something I agree with Dr. White on, this is not a, this is not a presidential administration. This is a regime. They are trying to rule by fiat. Um, Let me ask you a question. Yes. Do you remember when that ruling came down? Uh, I don't recall. Roughly. Let me look it up real quick, but, um, oh, yeah, here we go. Burgerfell v. Hodges was 2015. Okay, so nine years ago. Yes. So right. so kids, nine years ago, and, and we would all agree, in nine years, there has been a massive shift, a massive uh, social shift in our country uh, following Obergefell in 2015. Well, let me point out this. There was a massive shift prior to oh, yeah. that. For that to have passed, because absolutely, probably at least ten years prior to that, that was getting pushed harder and harder and harder and harder through the courts, through the elected officials at every level, from local all the way up to federal. So, we're talking now about nineteen years worth of mm -hmm. pro same sex union oh, yeah, absolutely. propagated across this country, and. The difference between nine years and 19 years is a nine-year-old and a 19-year-old. Exactly. Which is 
college age. Exactly. And, and the point that I'm making is that we've watched the public, you know, outside of it. A lot of that was happening, a lot of push, a lot of shove to get it to where it happened in 2015. But since 2015, with that floodgate opened, the, 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 the public aspect of it has been massively changed. And so you've got an entirely new generation that thinks these are totally acceptable. You know, uh, my wife and I also had this discussion just the other day that when we, when we were rank heathens and we were in our late teens, early twenties, and we were sinning, albeit maybe not understanding that it was sin in the sense that we do now as Christians, because we weren't Christians and we had like token Christian upbringings, we rebelled in a way that was probably semi-culturally acceptable. And there were things that we did that maybe not everybody knew about because it wasn't so culturally acceptable. But the generation today is sinning in ways that is culturally acceptable, but that sin is much more grievous than anything we would have done. Not that it, not in the sense of we didn't do anything that was really bad because it was bad, but they are now things that are so publicly acceptable. Pornography is acceptable. Uh, you know, multiple partners is is an acceptable thing. I mean, used to be if you said you were, you know, if a person is sexually active and had multiple partners, there were some unkind terms that were accurate, but were used to describe that person. Today, it's a bragging point. I mean, women will talk about what they refer to as a body count. That's horrifying. But today, that's the, that's something that's that's lauded as socially acceptable. Sorry, go ahead, brother. Well, the change did not happen overnight. And no, absolutely not. What the what the women are bragging about today, or what the men were bragging about, exactly. as far back as the seventies and eighties. Oh, absolutely. The, the The thing is, once that door of sexual immorality is kicked open and is is allowed into our homes and into our influences more and more and more, especially through entertainment and music, the the culture that's coming up and growing up listening to it as it becomes more perverse it will become more perverse because nothing that's going on today happened overnight there's right. been a slow slow degradation of our country going back as far as the 60s i watched an episode of sanford and son the other day that was almost prophetic and i think this episode was made in like 1973 and they were joking about someone accidentally going into a gay bar as they that's what it was called then. yeah so if you got a problem with me write the producers but was, somebody accidentally went into a gay bar and it was a big joke and one of the characters in the episode said i don't know fred this that's starting to catch on more and more this is yeah. in 1973 now fast forward to 2024 what was starting to catch on in 1973 that was mentioned in a television show that is so benign compared to what we mm -hmm. have today that is unreal that that they were talking about that was starting to catch on in Los Angeles has become almost the norm in every part of our society today in 2024. And that didn't happen overnight. It's been a slow influx of sexual immorality into every aspect of our lives, whether it's television, music, magazines, and what you were saying, you know, women are bragging today about their body, about, about a body count, meaning how many men they've had sex with. Mm -hmm. That's what men did back in the 70s and 80s. That was considered normal for them because, you know, men wanted to sleep around and have multiple partners and 
put notches on their bedpost. And I know this may sound crude to some of you, but I'm just telling you like it is. Um, I know it may sound like a weird way to do it, but if you watch and do it like a cultural study, watch television shows from different eras, mm-hmm. like 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and you can tell how more common it becomes throughout the whatever television series you might be watching, but you can watch how it becomes more and more common throughout those decades and throughout those television shows to where there's junk on what would be considered normal television today that there's no way that the edit not editors but the not moderators the word lost me <laughs> escaped me oh uh, probably the so, censors or something yeah the censors there's no way censors would have allowed it on public airways even in the 70s or 80s, but it's just commonplace today, especially when it comes to certain language and vulgarities that they use just as common as hello nowadays on some of these television shows. But, you know, the problem is we've done the same thing the same way, and it's not been working. We've tried to vote. We've tried to elect our way out of this mess. We've tried to do this, 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 and this. And, even within the professing church, it has in, came into the doors, and you have entire denominations today that support and promote same-sex unions, whereas in the 70s and 80s, that would have been unheard of. Yeah. And I'll get into this more later, but get back to what you were saying, brother. So, I mean, but you're, you're absolutely right. So we're talking about the, this massive cultural shift within our own lifetimes. And, you know, the Sanford and Son is something that, you know, was airing when I was just, you know, just in diapers, uh, you know, and, and when you were a kid to now the things that are happening. Yeah. As you say, almost prophetic. So now you have a generation that's living in this and this is completely normal to them. And so this is the socially acceptable sins of their day to the point where it's like, Scripture's clear about this, that they will, they're shocked that you don't celebrate with them. You know, here, here's all the things that the, uh, you know, the sinners and the Gentiles and stuff do, Paul writes, and they're shocked that you don't participate and celebrate with them. That's where we're at. So now fast forward to the question about marriage and weddings. So the reason Alistair Begg caught a lot of grief, and I, I, I don't like how it went down. I, I said it in a, the previous episode. We we learned about this about five minutes ago. We learned about the doubling down about 30 seconds ago. Let's let time determine what happens with him next and what he he does. Moving on from that, however, I think the pushback as far as the objections and why his uh, his counsel was unbiblical is accurate. And it boils down to what is a quote-unquote transgender or homosexual wedding. And that's where the questions of, well, you know, what can, what can we attend? What about this? What about that? Start coming in. And every time this subject comes up, you always get those questions. And so when I was on Apologetics Live, I, I actually saw somebody who was, I honestly being, believe he was being obstreperous. I think he was being annoying on purpose. Uh, he was going, well, well, what about two people who had been living together previously? Or what if, uh, you know, w- you know, 
what if they had cohabitated? What if they had been sexually involved? Or what if they, this person wasn't a virgin? All of the scenarios being two people who have sinned are now getting together, marrying. So if you go to that wedding, then you should be able to go to a homosexual wedding. And there was a similar discussion on, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep calling it Twitter. Elon, come up with a better name than X and I will come up with, I will call it that, but stop calling it X. I think it's dumb. So it was on Twitter and this discussion was happening and there was somebody else who said exactly the same thing, you know, and he since deleted the, uh, the post, but, um, it was uh, Katie who goes by Berean millennial on Twitter. And if you're not following her, by the way, she, great follow. I think I recommend her. She, you know, she's trying to clarify why attending a, a you know, homosexual wedding would be sinful. And she says, start swapping abominations. And the answer is always clear. You're going to attend the wedding of your granddaughter and her brother. What about the, about your granddaughter and her father? What about your granddaughter and her dog? An abomination is always an abomination. In other words, here are things that we, we would look at and immediately recognize this is wrong. So is if, you, if your granddaughter or grandson was going to be involved in another abominable act, in other words, uh, you know, in dealing with a transgender wedding or a gay wedding, it, it's, you recognize once you take that kind of emotional connection out of it, and you put in a different abomination, you go, oh, now it makes more sense. And so she's she's absolutely right. And so uh, inevitably, uh, somebody says, well, what about these two type of sinners? Would you go to a wedding, this wedding? And <laughs> or or what about uh, going to a birthday party where somebody's known to have a history of lying? Or what about going to a Thanksgiving feast and your cousin has a, a violent history? And so he's taking these he's not doing what Katie had said which swap out the abomination issue and you recognize what the problem is he's taking different scenarios putting into that well this person in attendance would be a sinner so wouldn't why wouldn't you go there so if you can go to that you can go to the gay gay wedding right and so um you know, I, I, I'm going to read real brief what I wrote here, and then we'll get into why this is an issue, because I think it's an issue of comparing apples to oranges. We're trying to say, here's something that's clearly sinful, a quote-unquote gay or transgender wedding, but here's another type of gathering where sinners are present. So therefore, if we can, tend, we can attend to one, we can attend to the other. But they're not the same kind of event. Let me read, and hopefully this will give some clarity. As we celebrate momentous events in the lives of sinners all the time, but with the understanding that the event itself is not sinful. A birthday party is not a celebration of sin, but the day the person came into this world. Thanksgiving is not a celebration of sin, but of giving thanks for God's bounty and provision in our lives. A wedding, as defined by Scripture is not a celebration of sin, but of a man and a woman coming together in a lifelong union before God. Now, when it comes to a gay or transgender wedding, again in air quotes, we are not celebrating a marriage as defined by God. Rather, it is the rebellious union of openly defiant sinners 
demanding God's institution, God's institution be defined by themselves rather than God. To attend such a gathering is to give a, give approval of that immoral and sinful union. If you want to compare apples to apples here, then comparison then the comparison should be more in line with something like this. Would you attend your daughter's cinematic debut in a porn film? Would you go to the bar with an alcoholic because he needs someone to spend time with? Would you attend a party given by someone who intends to have the in evening's entertainment be children stripping for a bunch of pedophiles? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, Christians can attend gatherings with other sinners if the event itself, excuse me, <clears throat> throat's going a little dry, sorry. If the event itself is not an openly rebellious affront to God, what we ought not, <clears throat> in fact, cannot do is engage in celebrations that are purposeful celebrations of sin because we want to appear loving to the ones putting on the event. <coughs> Sorry, my throat went really dry right in the middle of that. I apologize, folks. So the, the problem is we're describing two different sets of events. When you talk about a wedding, let, let's, let's use an example of two sinful people getting married. Uh, a man and a woman who have been intimate prior to marriage, been cohabitating. They are acting sinfully, no question. However, what why are we why are we saying that that's sinful because they're not married. They they come together in marriage and before God make that relationship right in in, in the way that he has commanded them to. Can we celebrate that? I would answer yes. Now, that is not a binding of the conscience by the way. There are going to be some people who say I still wouldn't celebrate that and I totally fine with that. Okay, I understand. If you would not feel comfortable going because you know that these two have been living in sin and now they're just trying to clean it up, I get it. But let me just explain that a wedding of a man and a woman, something God ordained so that their you know their relationship would be right now, would be rightly recognized before God in the world, I don't have a problem with a Christian going to because that's what a marriage is supposed to be. That's what a wedding is supposed to be. It okay, is. A, I got to stop you. Sure, go ahead. I, I got a question. Uh huh. Okay. Nowadays, you got to ask, where is that wedding taking place? Sure. Is it at a church? Is it outside? <laughs> is it at a chapel? Is it before justice of the peace? Then you got to look at motives. Why are these two mm -hmm. wanting to get married? Is it because they've decided they actually want to spend the rest of their lives together? Right. Is it because they need the insurance? Is it mm -hmm. because they need the tax breaks? And then you can, I mean, there's all, there's a million different ways you can twist this. What oh, if yeah. it was two atheists? What if it was two atheists that because of one of them's parents, they're getting married in a church just to keep their parents happy? Yeah. What would be the difference between two virgin atheists versus two, a man and a woman who have been living together in sexual immorality for three or four years and then decide, well, this is actually going to work out. So now we're going to get married. Mm -hmm. I mean, in today's age, there are so many different scenarios and so many different things. There's no way to, to be just cut and dry and say, this is right and this right. is wrong when it comes to these things. Now, yes, there's sin and then there's God's word. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you look at some of these scenarios, there's a lot of different things you have to ask and look into and the motivations and all these other aspects of it that 
we are not privy to. And even with the Alistair Begg issue, I've not seen anything that went deeper about this particular grandmother's motive for wanting mm -hmm. to attend this wedding. Sometimes it is the fact that we don't want to offend someone to the point to where we'll show up at this event or do this or do that. And I know pastors personally that have refused to marry mm -hmm. a man and a woman that had been living oh, in yeah. sin. And he would tell them, you move out and you stay apart for X amount of time. Don't engage in, in sex with one another and you stay apart and, and come back to me when you can show that you can, you know, do this or do that. And, you know, those scenarios have changed. But I do know pastors that have refused to marry yeah, a man and woman in those situations. Back to what the user on Twitter, you said, that um, changed the scenario about yeah. a, a daughter and a grand, grandfather or a daughter and a dog and all this other stuff. Yeah. And you apply those abominations. The problem is where we're at today, those scenarios will be here sometime in the future because no the way that this is going it is just going to continue to get worse to where today we're talking about same-sex unions in another 20 years that'll be yesterday's news that will be normalized yep. and then people and professing christians will be fussing fighting and debating and arguing well is it okay for a daughter to marry her grandfather is it okay for these two first cousins to get married is it okay? i mean that's yep. not going to change we, we are where we're at. It's not going to get any better until the Lord returns because Christ himself said that as the age progresses, it will slowly return to the way it was in the times of Noah and the ark where every man was doing what was right in his own eyes. Yeah. We are not evolving. Well, we're de-evolving as a society because we reached the pinnacle at some point, and now we're slowly drifting back down that to where we're going to slowly get even more and more and more like it was during the time that Paul was alive and, and proclaiming the gospel. We're, we're just now on the verge of what it was like during the times of the New Testament. We're, we're, we're not as bad yet as it was then, and we're slowly but surely getting to that point. And... There's a lot of things that our generation and future generations as Christians are going to have to face. And you were talking about watershed moments. Well, Christianity has failed the first watershed moment, and that was social media. <laughs> and future generations looking back are going to look back at the us first generation of social media users that are professing Christians, and we're going to look like the church in Corinth because all we do on social media yeah. by and far – and I'm when I say by and far, I'm not saying everybody does this, but most most of the accounts you come across are doing this. All they do are fuss and fight and debate and argue and backstab and backbite and everything that Paul basically condemned the Corinthian church for doing. And throughout his epistles, continued to remind them: act in love, act in fellowship, live a way that is honoring to Christ. I have to say. At this point in time, most, and I say most of you, and when I say most of you, I include myself in this because I'm guilty of it at times too, we show the world we're nothing but hypocrites. Yeah. Most of you listening to this have acted hypocritically at some point in time, either on social media or when it comes to some of these issues, because 
sadly, I know some professing Christians that have made stands against homosexual weddings. There's no way I'd go. There's no way if it was one of my kids, I'd kick them out of the house. I'd never have anything to do with them again. I'd do blah, blah, blah. But yet at the same time, they're sitting around watching television shows that I'm not even going to get into. Just just say that they would be classified as pornographic. Yeah. That is hypocrisy. First point and thing that we need to make sure we're doing first and foremost is yanking that two by four out of our own eye. Yep. And we cannot understand and know the motives and motivations of every single person under the sun. Yes, there's some professing Christians that go along with all of this because they're too afraid to offend someone. Yes, there's a lot of them that go along with it because they're too afraid to offend this relative or whatever else. But even within circles that you and I know, brother, that you know have condemned the same-sex union and attending it, um, say, well, I wouldn't even go if I could do this or that and everything else. But the real question is, we don't know what we would do mm-hmm. for sure unless we were put in that situation. So my first suggestion would be, instead of jumping on a bandwagon and make, making declarations, we need to truly examine ourselves first and ask, okay, what would I do if my brother or my sister or my child or grandchild was involved in a same-sex relationship and was going to have a same-sex union, what would I do? Yeah. Well, my first answer would be, um, first, I'd never get invited to that wedding <laughs> because long before that, they would know my opinion. They would hear me proclaim the gospel to them, and either the gospel would turn them off and turn them away from me, and they wouldn't have anything else to do with me, or the fact that, they already knew where I stood on all these issues and that how I stood and my opinions about sexual immorality, not just homosexuality, but all of it, they would know those views. And most likely they wouldn't have anything to do with me anyway, because <laughs> they would be more than aware already of where I stand on, uh, stand on the word of God and the declaration that sin is sin and this is right and this is wrong. Let, so, let, you before know, before you go too far, I do want to throw a caveat in there. What, a, a good brother of ours, Andrew Rappaport, actually described almost that exact scenario on his show on Apologetics Live, where he had a cousin who self was professed lesbian, was going to get married to another woman. You and I both know Andrew. The man does not in any way, shape, or form sugarcoat anything. And he was very clear about the what their uh, his position and the, what the scriptures say, and he's very evangelistic. So we all know that there was never a time where they were in question about what he believed. Yet they still invited him because he's family, and, and they had a conversation about it. And they Andrew still shared the gospel with him and still declined to go. So I just want to put that out there because I I don't disagree with what you say, but there was one person who responded online who said very firmly basically saying that if anyone you know nobody who was genuinely you know saying you know speaking the truth about the scriptures and what they believe would ever be invited and that's just hogwash it's going to happen the question is what does what do you do then like you say what's how am i going to respond to this so by and large is that very likely going to be well i'm not going to invite chris cuz he's a christian and he's very much dead set against 
you know, you know, the idea of a homosexual wedding. So I'm not going to invite him and have him create, create problems. So is that the most likely going to be the case? Yes. But there are brethren who are, as you are, very clear about what they believe, very clear about what the scriptures say, very clear about the gospel, and yet may still get invited. So I only want to throw that out there because I want people to be very cautious just because someone does get an invite to such an event does not suddenly mean, well, that person clearly never said anything about what they believe. That's hogwash. Let's not do that. But I would say what you've just said that probably more often than not is going to be the case. So just wanted to throw that in there before before we went any further. Keep going. All I was going to, and then I was going to say, I know many a professing Christian <laughs> brother and sister that have made statements I would never attend. And they have gone so far to say as, no, I wouldn't attend even if it meant I could proclaim the gospel to everyone at that wedding. I say wrong. I would go. I would attend that homosexual union for the simple fact when they got to the point in, in the vows that said, is there any man or woman that has an objection to this union? I'd stand up, raise my hand and say, yes, I have an objection and here's why. Right. I'd proclaim about a three or four minute gospel proclamation and the, then I probably would get escorted out. Yeah, I was going to say all chaos would ensue in about else. I was going to say 30 seconds in about all chaos would ensue. <laughs> and and I, I'm being dead serious. Yeah, I would have just to do that not to cause a disruption or anything else but, but for the simple fact if they're going to use those more traditional vows and say that if anyone here objects to this union let them speak now I would stand up, well, not literally stand up because I can't stand, <laughs> but I would speak up, and I'd speak up in such a way, and I would proclaim the biblical way of salvation, and I would never have to mention or use the word homosexuality, but I actually would do it and would not be surprised if I got escorted out or something thrown at me or whatever <laughs> else. I wouldn't do it to cause a disruption and to be a disruption, but I would do it in order for everyone there to hear the gospel proclamation. I'm at the age now where I don't care. If you don't <laughs> like me, you don't like me. If you don't want me around, you don't want me around. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God and proclaim his true gospel. And if you have a problem with that, take it up with Christ, because I'm, I'm doing what he commands me to do because I love him and I want to see lost souls saved. Amen. And that kind of gets to my whole point is that, all these conversations about what if this, what if that, what if this, this happens, what if that happens, that's the problem. People are, or Christians are too focused on these what if scenarios. They're not focused on, is it okay for a Christian? Well, they're focusing on, can a Christian do this instead of focusing on what should I be doing as a Christian? Yeah. And that answer is very simple. You should be, be proclaiming the biblical way of salvation, praying for the lost souls around you, reading your Bible, studying your Bible, attending church, worshiping together, and doing everything possible through prayer into living a life that truly honors and glorifies Christ and truly desiring to glorify him in all of your, in all of your ways and in all of your words, praying that the Lord grants you a heart that desires to live a life holy and pleasing to him 
And as my grandpa used to say, if a frog had wings, he wouldn't hit his butt every time he jumped. <laughs> That's the problem with all these ifs is because we're focusing on can we do this and can we do that? We're not focusing on what we should be focusing on, and that is what does the Word of God say? Amen. What should I be doing as a Christian? How should I be acting in front of non-Christians? And no, we don't have to show support for what they're doing and show loving them by attending these events and doing this and doing that. Our first way of showing love to them is being concerned enough for their souls and their eternity by proclaiming the biblical way of salvation to them, declaring it to them, talking to them about the biblical way of salvation, whatever way you want to describe it. But first and foremost, that is the best and truest way to love those outside of Christ. Now, for those that are true brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be patient, we should be peaceful, we should be willing to listen, we should be willing to endure all of the things that the Bible teaches us. We should be acting with love, compassion, mercy, and tenderness, because that's how the Lord, our God, has instructed us to interact with brothers and sisters in Christ, not trying to tear them down, not to try to one-up on them, not trying to outdo them. We should be rejoicing for our brothers and sisters in their success and what avenue that the Lord is blessing them with, because any accolades that they may be receiving is not because of what they've done, it's because of what the Lord is doing through them, just like when Paul went to Jerusalem and declared to them all that the Lord had done through him and his ministry. It wasn't because of Paul. He was so great and such a great talker and so eloquent in his letters. It was nothing of Paul that made Paul great. It was what God was doing through Paul that made Paul seem great. It was the message that he proclaimed. It was the Christ that he clung to. It was the salvation that he held more dear than anything else in eternity. That's first and foremost what we should be doing as Christians. And that's the thing that we are doing the least as Christians is truly loving others enough to tell them and explain to them the biblical way of salvation. Mm-hmm. So would I go to a, a same-sex union if it meant that I could proclaim the gospel and either have to duck out of there real fast or get toted out on a rail or get cake thrown in my face or get thrown <laughs> out? Yes, I would. It wouldn't be because I was trying to affirm what was going on. It's because I would love the people there enough to tell them the truth. Now, for me, they'd know what they would hear the loving truth way before the waiting ever took place and it's not they may it may be considered a a quote-unquote wedding but it's a same-sex union or a justice of the peace union it's in today's world god is not a factor when it comes to marriage for these people it's more of a tax benefit or insurance benefit and you know people talk about getting married out of love well honestly there's no precedent really in the Bible that marriage is, is based on love. It tells us how we are to treat our spouse, our husband or our wife, but there, you know, that may be a discussion for another time, but there traditionally there's no, you know, for what centuries marriages were arranged and we have all these other type of things, but 
in the different scenarios, sometimes we have to approach it like Paul talked about eating meat that had been dedicated to idols or offered to idols. Right. Sometimes we have to approach these things in that manner and that even if it means, you know, how we interact with a fellow Christian, sometimes we got to keep in mind it may be a weak brother or a weak sister who has a weak conscience, and sometimes we may just have to avoid the discussion just to avoid violating their conscience. Does yeah. any of this make any sense? No, absolutely. And I think that it goes back to this whole comparison of apples and oranges because why is it when we say a gay marriage or a gay wedding or a transgender wedding is is wrong? It is not what glorifies God. It is it is the world saying we have defined what this is. God, you don't have any business in it. And you and everyone else will accept this. And we are going to define it. And so for the Christian to participate and engage in that, apart from the very interesting, and, and I, I, I would almost pay money to, to watch this happen, uh, to, you know, maybe the only caveat where I would say, okay, do that, <laughs> that you gave, the reason being that Christians should not participate in it is that we are, you know, it's, you know, uh, I think it's first Thessalonians, yeah, first Thessalonians five twenty two that tells us to abstain from every form of evil. Uh, and I think like King James, new King James refers to it as even appearance of evil. Okay. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I've got to throw this in. Read that again. One more time. Abstain from every form of evil. Okay. Are we doing that in every aspect of our lives, or are we only doing it in the avenues when it comes to sins that we don't like? Well, hold on. (laughs) In today's world, too many professing Christians act like they're protesting sin more than they're trying to live to the glory of Christ. No, and I don't disagree with you, brother, but my point in this is, is that when it comes to this issue, because we are all facing it now, it's no longer something that maybe a handful of people might experience. It's every Christian is going to be confronted with this at some point. So why is it the why is it we say the Christian can't do that? It goes back to abstaining from every form of evil. In other words, not supporting, not affirming, not celebrating that which is a publicly a public on display abomination before the Lord. And that's that's what I'm getting at. Is I understand what you're saying, but I'm saying for this particular question, when it comes to well, do I go or do I not go? It's this is people purposely redefining that which God has already defined, and then demanding Christians celebrate it. And that's why I'm saying I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I think we need to be far more consistent about our how we abstain from every form of evil. Absolutely agree. What, what about Disney? There, there are millions <laughs> of, of professing Christians that you know talk about and put down what Disney's putting out when it yep. comes to the woke agenda and the same sex whatevers, and you know they have their gay days or pride days, right? And and again, same sex weddings and all that. But yet, so many Christians that are opposing all that are still dishing over thousands of dollars each year to Disney. I, and I, you again, know. don't disagree with any of that, brother. And I agree with you. We absolutely need to be more consistent. 
But again, the specific issue I'm talking about is when someone says, well, why can't a Christian do this? This is why. Because it's a public affirmation of that which God says is an abomination. And that's my point here. I agree with you. I fully agree with you. We need to be more consistent. Rich is dead on correct. But when it comes to this issue, what we always get hit with, well, Jesus dined with sinners. Yes, Jesus dined with sinners. He dined with them while preaching the gospel to them, telling them to repent and sin no more, lest the worst thing befall them. But he did not affirm their sinful uh, behavior. So he may have... Uh, uh, let me explain that a little bit more simple. He dined with them. He was not in the tax booth with them while they were extorting mm-hmm. money from people. He was exactly. not supporting their extortion. And that's the caveat when it comes to this issue in the same-sex wedding and those that try to say, well, Christ ate with sinners. Well, he ate with them. He proclaimed the gospel to them while they were out doing their sinning and extortion and threatening, right. he was not standing there beside them, exactly. patting them on the back, saying, yeah, that's the way to, who you scored big on that one type of thing. Right, but and that's the, my the point. thing comes back down to the, um, we got to word what we're saying more carefully, because more times than not, looking at what is being put out by professing Christians on this subject, more times than anything else, it comes across as they're just protesting homosexuality. They're just protesting that one particular sin. They're fine with their own sin. They're just protesting this one thing. That's why we've got to be proclaiming the biblical way of salvation as we discuss these issues. It's not the fact that we object to these two individuals getting married. It's not the fact that we object to same-sex unions. We object to anything or anyone that is defiling and dis- and and disobeying the Word of God and not trying to live a life holy and pleasing to Him. And the only way that any of this would change in any individual is if the Lord granted that person salvation. We need to be more concerned with the salvation of that sinner than we are with the sin of that sinner, if that makes any sense. No, and it does. And I think that goes back to that consistency across the board. And and, and that includes, as you say, preaching the gospel at, at, at every opportunity. But even still, we're still faced with this particular issue. What do we do in these scenarios? And you're being faced with the issue of those who, for lack of a better term, follow the 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 11th commandment, thou shalt be nice. And let's, let's never make anybody feel uncomfortable. So if Jesus dined with sinners and you can go to a, uh, a birthday party for a family member who's got sinful background, or you can go to the Thanksgiving feast with family when you know your cousin's got a violent background, you can go to this. And the, the issue that I, I want to just help Christians work through is in addition to what you're saying, and I absolutely agree with this, in addition to what you're saying, which is the, the the proclamation of the truth, the proclamation of the gospel, the praying for the you know the walking in holiness in our own lives as a testament to, testimony to the gospel we preach. In addition to that, part of that walking in holiness is differentiating those things which in and of themselves are not inherently sinful, such as the family gathering for Thanksgiving or Christmas. 
versus what is a public display of sinful behavior, a gay wedding. Christians can be discerning and still have the right answer to give. But I, I think your point is absolutely spot on. We've got to do this in such a way that we're not just going rah, rah, we're against this bad thing. Because it does, I think one of the the big concerns that those who try to say, well, Jesus, you know, the, but Jesus died when sinners is there is a tendency for those of us who are seeking to be theologically sound is that we lose our sense of compassion. And Rich, this is where what you're saying is, is spot on. We lose our sense of compassion for those who are lost, who need the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when we do so because we're just going to hammer down on how evil this is and how wrong this is, and we're going to do it as a protest to prove to you how bad you are, that, you know, it's something gets lost and that something that's lost is the gospel. But when we do it as, as a consistent application of a Christian life walked in holiness, looking to glorify God in everything that we do, which is how we live, how we pray, the gospel we preach, and then therefore how that's lived out amongst sinners, that has far more testimony and shows far more love and compassion than being very publicly against the the homosexual marriage thing, and so therefore just never attend that. I agree, we should not be going to those things, and it is because that it's an abomination before the Lord. And it's not just dining with sinners when you are doing something that they themselves are actively sinning against God with. My whole point in all this is just to remind Christians, and 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 I want everybody to hear. There was a couple points, Rich, as you're talking. Unfortunately, you can't see my face. I kind of had to sit back. I'm like, all right, let me let him finish. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it's if anybody thought I was getting frustrated, so I was like, no, don't interrupt him. <laughs> let him talk. He's he's got he's got good info. Um, <clears throat> well, I haven't done this in a while. I'm yeah, a we're out of practice. <laughs> but um, the whole point in all this is, is that there are ditches on either side of this that we can so easily fall into. The big ditch is that that is the one that everybody sees, which is well, if you support that, you're you're affirming this relationship. You're you're telling people that are watching you that this is okay and it's not. And that's a huge ditch. We need to avoid it at all costs. But Rich, your point is the other ditch. It's the point where we are so, so determined to be right. And being right is a necessity as a Christian. We need to be conformed to the, the word of God. So we're constantly checking ourselves against the word of God and, and what it teaches us but not so much in the sense that we just don't care what the impact is about how we said it. You can say homosexuality is an abomination before the Lord and those who live in it, those who continue to practice it, those who will not repent of it, those who will not turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins will burn in the lake, uh, it will, in the lake of fire for all eternity. Guess what? That's true and it's compassionate and it's loving. But if you just say, you're all just going to burn in hell as you bunch of insert slur, is it true? You know, yes. Is it unloving? Also, yes. You know, we, we have to be very cautious, as, as you said, Rich, 
about how we're approaching this, because if we become the stumbling block because we're more determined to be right, then we care about the compassion and the love that we share in the gospel in calling people to repentance, then we could be right and we're just jerks. Well, for the censors that are moderating YouTube uh-huh. because of what you just said, let me clear or clarify. It's <laughs> not just homosexuals. If you're a man and a woman having sexual intercourse outside the bonds of holy yep. matrimony, you're fornicating, you're living in sin as if you're lying to your balls. If you're cheating on your spouse, if you're dishonoring your parents, if you're not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you are in sin and will spend an eternity in hell. It's not just homosexuality that's a sin. All sexual immorality is a sin, whether it's a man and a woman, two teenagers, whatever. Sex outside the bonds of holy matrimony is defined as fornication according to the Bible. And according to the Bible, marriage is between one man and one woman, period. It has nothing to do with us picking on, quote-unquote, picking on homosexuals. Right. Because that statement has gotten many a person banned from different platforms. And I just wanted to clarify for anyone listening to this and make sure that you're examining yourself and looking at your own self. It's not just homosexuality that's a sexual sin. If you are having sexual relations with someone that you are not married to, as defined by God being one man and one woman, you are living in sexual immorality, which is an abomination before our Lord God and Creator, and you need to repent, turn to Christ, and beg Him to grant you the gift of salvation. Beg Him to forgive you for your sins. Open up your Bible. Read Psalm 51. That is the only sinner's prayer that is listed in the Bible. That is a repenter's prayer. And you need to open it up, go to that, and read that, and pray through it, and beg God grant you salvation. Amen. And I want to share something with you. I'm reading through Owen Strand's book, The Warrior Savior. For those who are lost on, well, you're so focused on sin. Why are you saying sin? You know, why why is sin so bad, etc. It was a quote that I shared on social media the other, other day from this book I thought was absolutely fantastic. He said, sin is wrong ultimately because it offends our Creator who made us for His own glory and is thus personally dishonored when we break His law. So what you're describing, Rich, when it comes to any form of sexual immorality, God did not make you so that you could in, enjoy uh, you know, sexual intercourse as some sort of entertainment. He made you for his per, for his glory and the gift of sexual intimacy is to be between you and your spouse and that marriage is a reflection of God and his relationship with his church. So when you engage in any form of sexual immorality, you are offending the God who made you and gave you that gift that was to be used to glory to his name. So when you are doing that and you think it's no big deal, what you're saying is you're telling God, it's mine, I can do it whatever I want, and it doesn't matter what you made me for. Which is And that's an absolute fish shake to the Lord. Go ahead, brother. It goes back to what people don't realize. 
pride is the root of all sin. Pride can be used to describe every sin that's listed in the Ten Commandments. Pride can be listed to describe every sin that's mentioned and laid out throughout the New Testament. Pride is the root of all sin because pride was the first sin. Yep, indeed, indeed. So as we wrap this up, just a just a couple more thoughts, and then and have you finish up with what you want to say there, Rich. Um, like I said, that the, there's you need to compare apples to apples when you're talking about different forms of gatherings in which we get together and what's actually going on at these gatherings. When it's something that is a a clear of a, a violation of God's commandments. We ought not be in attendance to those things because we are giving our support and affirmation that is that is acceptable. And as a Christian, that's not something we should ever do. However, there will be types of gatherings in which it's mixed company, and there will be people who are not or who are doing sinful things in their lives, but getting together with the family, and there are sinners present, so to speak is not the same as affirming a, a, a public union that is an abomination before the Lord. Now, to take it one other step, we were talking before about people living together or different sins that led to this union. One of uh, one of dear sister in this conversation said something I thought was absolutely spot on. Something that is not inherently as sinful, a man and a woman getting married, can be very sinful if... What she described was a man leaves his wife and is now marrying his mistress. That would be just as sinful as a man and a man, a woman and a woman, or a transgender wedding occurring, because you would be celebrating a man who had been committing adultery, wrongfully divorcing his wife, and now continuing to be in adultery, even though he's put a ring on this woman's hand. So that is one of those, again, we've talked about the whole gay transgender wedding thing, but there are scenarios where even something that in and of itself normally would not be considered a celebration of sin could be. And that's one such scenario. If you're going to be uh, told, you know, if you were to be invited to a birthday party, but the person being celebrated is, you know, uh, the, the big celebration is the, all the evil criminal behavior they've been doing, for example. Well, no, you're not going to go to that because that person is a wanted criminal. We're celebrating their criminal accomplishments. It's all going to be part. Of course, you're not going to go to that. Okay. You're going to go to, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, a, a Super Bowl party. Okay. That's coming up, right? Super Bowl's coming up. Uh, nice to see the, the 49ers that I used to, to watch and cheer on when I was in high school back in the Super Bowl. Yahoo. Um, that's about as excited as I get. But if the entertainment uh, a portion of this party was going to involve openly sinful behavior. You shouldn't go, right? Because you are uh, you are taking part in that which is evil. You're you're supposed to abstain from every form of evil. So they're going to have the guys are getting to have a Super Bowl to get party. Okay, cool. I'm going to go, and they're going to bring in a stripper. Uh, no, I'm not. Right. So that which is abhorrent to the Lord is not something we should ever publicly be part of. But with all that said, Rich, 
your side of this is, I think, the part that we so often lose <clears throat> is it's not uh, the 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 Christian duty doesn't rise and fall with I don't go. The Christian duty is a lifelong act of you know being holy before the Lord, repenting of our own sins, being committed to uh, to to be conformed to Jesus Christ and His Word to be in prayer, to be in the proclamation of the gospel, to be ministering to others. And in that should be the natural extension of, I'm not going to go to this event. I'm not going to participate in that, which is uh, uh, obviously evil. And I think when we use our compare, like we we talked about earlier with Andrew Rappaport, he was invited, and he said this on his show, so I can use this. Andrew will be happy. We're talking about him. Um, But... He, as a natural extension of who he is in Christ, he had already been having these conversations with family members. So it was already known that what he would probably say, what he would probably not attend, and yet they invited him because, hey, he's family, we still love him, we still want him there. So it should be a natural course. It should not rise and fall with, as you pointed out, uh, our protest is no attendance at such an event. And now we're done. We've, we've done our thing. We've set our peace. I think we want to be a people who show love and compassion. And we do that in a variety of ways in a person's life to include not affirming that which they uh, know to be, we know to be sinful. And we continue to minister in their life. So, Hopefully that helps, helps, you know, kind of puts a better, um, a clearer image on what this argument and discussion is about. Because I think so many people who want to say, but Jesus dined with sinners. They think that that means that we need to be engaged in people's lives, even when what they're doing is openly sinful. And I think that's, that's a line you don't cross but you still do what Jesus did. You be involved in the lives of sinners and you call them to repentance. Any, any thoughts on that brother? Well, just to add to the, another caveat with the whole wedding scenario, what about sending a gift to, for the individual that's your family member or whatever, right? Would you send them a, not necessarily call it a wedding gift, but would you send them a gift? I would send them a gift. I'd send them a really nice gift along with a very, very precise gospel proclamation to go along with that gift. And, and see, and, yeah, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. But uh, some of these conversations, I've seen that question come up about sending a gift, and I've seen people take that, you know, fist-hard table slam. There's no way I'd ever send them a gift. I wouldn't show up. I wouldn't talk to them again, da 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 But my point is you're missing an opportunity to show compassion not affirming what decision they're making, but an opportunity and love for that person by using that opportunity to proclaim the biblical way of salvation to them. Right. I would say it in this way. I would not send a gift, <clears throat> although in the discussion that's been going on that uh, everybody's talked about a certain pastor who's they're not happy with, the gift that he was talking about was a Bible that gets lost. <clears throat> but be that as it may, in relation to sending a gift 
to for this union. I, I would not. But, and this is what I said on the previous program, I like what Matt Slick uh, of CARM had said. Let's say he had neighbors that moved in were a homosexual couple. He'd introduce himself. You know, he'd make talk with them from time to time. He'd make sure to share the gospel with them. Um, if he happened to be at the store and he knew they needed, say, juice or dog food or something like that, and he happened to see it was on sale, he'd grab some and, and drop it off for him. The idea of being able to do things for individuals you know who are engaged in a lifestyle of sin shows lots of compassion without ever affirming the relationship. So I believe that there's ways that you can do and maintain that. Um, you know, and I think I use the example of maybe like a prodigal daughter or son. Maybe you don't, <clears throat> maybe their living situation isn't something that you approve of. You don't, you, 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 you didn't help them with that scenario, but they're, they're, they lost their job because of layoffs and they need help with the rent and you pay, you know, you give them money for the, you know, help them out with rent or something. That's a way that you help show compassion in their circumstance without affirming the sinful choices they've made. I, I think there are lots of ways to do that. I would handle the gift situation differently. I wouldn't send a gift, but I would not cut them out of my life. And I would certainly, if there were places that I could show compassion or a birthday comes up, Hey, I send them a birthday card or I send them a gift card or send them a present or attend the birthday party or something like that. I think there are ways that you still can do exactly what you described without giving the appearance that I've celebrated and affirmed that particular union. So I don't think my answer is that different from yours. I think I would just draw the line of where I show the compassion is going to be different just because I want to make sure that that, that line doesn't get crossed. Well, and in my view, the compassion is not the guilt. It's sure. Claiming the biblical way of salvation. No, I totally agree with that. Tract or a letter, and even in these other settings, you know, whether it's the individual that needs help with a rent or the yeah. neighbor, you know, even in doing those things, it would be accompanied right. with a tract or a gospel proclamation or a verse or something that shows that this is the compassion in Christ, that you can be saved, but you have to turn from your sin right. and turn to Christ and beg him for forgiveness. You cannot choose to be saved any more than you can choose to be born. And I know that's going to ruffle some feathers, but Christ didn't say, choose to be born again. He said, that which is born of the Spirit is the Spirit, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. We cannot choose to be saved, we, but we definitely can be begging Christ to grant salvation to those we know not to be saved. And if we're not saved, we definitely can be begging Christ to grant us salvation. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, hopefully this episode has been helpful to you. Uh, we were just kind of round-robining this a little bit. Um we didn't go into this with, uh, you know, I'm going to say this, you're going to say that. This is how we've both approached this. And, and again, um, you know, I support everything my brother said. Uh, you know, video's a little bit different. Do, don't think that I was frustrated with my brother at all in any way. Uh, I saw myself in the camera and I'm like sitting back going, all right, cut, close your mouth. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I say that because I sometimes forget my facial expressions 
project things that I don't intend to. Um, but I, I'm grateful for Rich because he brings so much. This is why I cannot do this alone. Okay, I can't do that. Hey, brother, just keep in mind, if you ever don't like what I'm saying, you got control of the mute button <laughs> for the video. So. See, but I wouldn't do that. I won't do that because we need... We this is that iron sharpening iron thing. We may we may have approached this from slightly different angles, but it, it's it's necessary because this is the thing that I, I I wish we were better at. When you said we failed the test with social media, I I absolutely agree with you. We forget we need this this you know the uh, this grinding and refining against one another. We need to hear these things. We don't need to be insulated in our little theological bubbles. And just get, oh, your your answers are so fantastic and they're so great and I'm just going to agree with everything. That's terrible. You get blunt, dull edges that way. You need this iron sharpening iron. And we don't do this well. So, no, I will never mute you. I will never silence you. I will let you speak because I need to hear these things as much as anybody else does. Um, and so I'm glad that we have that opportunity. This is This is, you know, there's no editing here. You get, this is what you get. You know, there, there, there's no improvement. Okay. When this is done, you know, I start the, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, this video, I hit play, uh, record, it goes through, I hit end, it gets uploaded. This is as good as it so, gets folks. <laughs> so, so, so basically at one point you were giving me stink face. I no, I wasn't trying to give you stink face, but I saw my own reflection in the camera. And I went, that kind of looks like stink face. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not good at it. I, I don't have a poker face because, and, and I'll say this is, this is, uh, it, it, anybody that doesn't know me, I don't handle interruption well. And I, and I get on a train of thought and my kids would do this to me or my wife would do it or, or other family members do it to me. And that face comes out. Cause I'm like, I want to finish what I'm saying. <laughs> Let me finish. Normally I don't. <laughs> Normally I don't try to interrupt you, but I'm rusty and nah, nah, you great, well, and, and a lot of times if I don't say what's on my mind at that moment, in about two seconds it'll be gone, and I won't remember what was on my mind <laughs> to begin with. No worries, brother. You are free to interrupt me anytime. I'm grateful for it because we need it. We need it. All right. Well, I know one thing. You tipped me off. <laughs> Next time, well, the first time we ever get to meet, I'm going to bring a deck of cards and a pack of cookies <laughs> since you don't have a poker face. <laughs> this is why I don't gamble. See, I know better than that. Uh, I get I, I gamble when I get online and I, 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 I get myself in trouble. I wouldn't gamble with real money. <laughs> did, you, did you not hear what I just said? I did. I did. I did. <laughs> I'll bring oatmeal raisin cookies and coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone... Every hand you lost, you'd have to drink some coffee and eat a cookie. Now, see, see, I don't gamble. I know better. <laughs> and I know we need to go, but I got to ask you a question. Yes. Do you ever think, you know, we read the letters from Paul in the New Testament. We can't know his tone or the emphasis he put on certain words as he was mm -hmm. writing them or, or, you know, as he was saying certain things. But I just have to imagine after the last couple of weeks reading interactions online on Twitter X, whatever it's called now that I really think, cause I begin to have some of the same feelings. I really think Paul would have wanted to walk up to some of these people kind of like Esther went up against Sanford's head in that old <laughs> TV show and just want to flop them upside the back of the head and tell them to straighten up. <laughs> 
Do you think he ever actually had that kind of feeling that just wanting to slap somebody upside the head and tell them to quit acting such a fool? So I, for, for people, I'm holding this up. This is a meme that got shared. It was one of my highest uh, ever tweets uh, back in 2022. And it's a picture of somebody uh, standing at a lectern with a big screen behind him. And the screen says, General Pauline letter outline. Grace, I thank God for you. Hold fast to the gospel. For the love of everything holy, stop being stupid. Timothy says hi. <laughs> um, you know, that's not entirely wrong. And, and so I, I do believe there were times you can kind of almost read that little biting, I'm going to smack you. Uh, the, the letters to the Corinthians where he says, shall I come to you in love or shall I come with you with a, to you with a rod? You know, <laughs> I think there were times where he wanted to, if you know NCIS, there's the gift, gift slap, the back of the head. I, I think there are moments we do see in Paul's writings where he does convey a little bit of, I want to shake you until the BBs fall into place. <laughs> So I do believe that, brother. I absolutely do believe that. Um, all right, folks. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for letting us kind of work out the rustiness of being back together after, well, well over a month, almost about a month and a half since we've been together. And thank you for working with us with this new medium, uh, putting things on YouTube. Um, we want to play with this a little bit more. We hope that it becomes something we're a bit more adept at. Um <clears throat> And maybe get the more more tools to make it uh, to refine it and and make it useful to you, but that's where you come in and you you let us know what you think and um, is this something you want to see more of, and do you want to see Rich's actual video face instead of a picture? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm really trying, folks. I'm really trying to get trying to wear them down. Trying to wear them down. Um, but with that said, we want to thank you for spending time with us this week. Uh, we look forward to spending more time with you guys. Uh, as Rich said, and, and as I've said, we try to be consistent. But like you, we have families, we have jobs, we have, and yes, I'm retired, but I'm working again. And so, um, uh, you know, because I still have bills to pay, even my retirement check pays most of it. I still have other bills to pay. And so, um, and it's not easy with Bidenomics making everything more and more expensive. So um, that's going to get me in trouble on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> sorry. So uh, if there are weeks that we can't make it, we'll do our best to let you know. Uh, you know, if we have to make an adjustment to the recording schedule, maybe it's bi-monthly instead of every week. We will keep you apprised as best as we are able. Um, so pray that the Lord would make that possible for us to do this as consistently as possible because we want to be a blessing to you and we don't want to leave you guessing uh, if or when something's going to be done. Uh, but uh, keep our families in prayer because they have to live with us and uh, they have to put up with us, but they are also gracious to give us their uh, this time to do these things together. And uh, we are grateful for you. We are grateful that you get to you, know, you spend time with us and praying for us and sharing this program. And so we just want to encourage you, uh, Rich, any last thoughts before we go? Whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the biblical way of salvation, whether by conversation, word, mouth, track, sharing a link online, just whatever you do, make sure you do it at least once a day. 
Amen. Amen. Have not been able to have that and uh, for the last few weeks. I wanted you guys to hear that and be reminded. So whatever you do this week, do it for the glory of God. Look, seek to conform yourself to uh, to his image. Study his word. Get to church, by the way. Be a part of a local church. This is never to be a replacement for your church. Uh, at best, we hope to be a tertiary tool that comes along and supports the local church in some capacity. And, uh, you know, but never, never let podcasts or video church or anything replace your participation in, in the local church, being under the administration of elders and deacons in your church, uh, growing and being conformed to Christ by their instruction and, and counsel. Um, but do that, be conformed, submit to him, seek his His glory in all things. You don't exist for your own self. You exist for his glory. So glorify him in all that you do. God bless you guys. Good night, and we will see you next time.